This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast, podcast number 115. Doing this on Tuesday evening, now, t- September 26th. So last night, we all witnessed a, a, another convincing Philadelphia Eagles win. They beat the Tampa Bay Bucks 25-11. to 11. I don't know if we were really fretting about it. Uh, even though Tampa Bay had played a little over their heads, they still have Baker Mayfield as the quarterback. And the easiest predictor was that, that he didn't have a turnover going into that game. So you knew he was going to turn it over. But uh, the, the Eagles displayed something last night that's really interesting to me. And it portends to the future. Their offensive and defensive lines are so good that this team, even when they play kind of an inferior, mediocre team, doesn't have a chance to slip. Remember the old days when you had a good team, you had a better team than the opponent, and somehow you would play down to their level and succumb to their level and wind up losing? This team, because they're fortified with line play, offensively and defensively, doesn't really have a chance to slip because the other team can't score enough on you. Now, the Eagles last night, if you paid a lot of attention, uh, and I don't know if this is where they're going to go with it, but I, I see a transition to a more conventional offense that's going to get away from the RPOs. They didn't do many RPOs last night. And I guess if you're the offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, you go, why should we? Why should we put the quarterback in danger? Why should we have to do that and create that kind of uh, – uh, hocus pocus to move the football when our guys love to run block and we got a guy like DeAndre Swift who's on fire right now. So the bottom line here is Swift is still the talk of the NFC right now. Taylor and DeAndre because last night he goes for um, 130 more yards on uh, 16 carries following what he did the week before. He looks fast. He looks fresh. He looks quick. And uh, that's a major, major thing for the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, let's let's look at last night's game, the way they dominated the line of scrimmage. The first thing they did offensively, which I thought was wise, even though y- you hate to like fold into that whole diva mentality, uh, was uh, they got A.J. Brown off, all right? And, and in getting A.J. Brown off, they kept him happy. 14 targets for A.J. Brown last night. So with that combination and the balance that they had, with pass and run, and with that offensive line playing the way it's playing, Tampa Bay really had no chance. They really missed Vita Vea. He, he didn't play that much. He was banged up. So that, that middle of that Tampa Bay front was a little weakened, and, and they were a little weak on the back end at all. So let's look at Jalen Hurts. Again, not the best game for Jalen Hurts, but uh, – he didn't need to play his best game. And that's what the beauty of the Philadelphia Eagles is right now. He doesn't have to carry them for them to win. Now, he was okay. He threw two interceptions, but he, he did throw for a touchdown, uh, and, and he ran for one. 
Uh, and the and the one the one thing you noticed about Jalen Hurts last night to me, uh, the 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 progress of Jalen Hurts because they want him to stay in the pocket. And, and there was the one play where he stood in the pocket. Now, fortunately, he had a lot of time to stay in the pocket, but he surveyed the field, bounced around, looked at the whole field, and all of a sudden he sees uh, Alameda Zacchaeus for the thirty four uh, yard touchdown, which was a beautiful thing. I mean, that's not Alameda Zacchaeus is never going to be the main target in their offense, but, but he surveyed the field and he broke loose and he hit him with a nice pass. Meanwhile, uh, let's go over these stats because this is how ferocious the Eagles were. And it was a fairly close game for a while, but you never got the impression that Tampa Bay was going to be able to score enough against this defense. Um, 27 first downs to 12, 78 total plays to Tampa Bay's 44, 472 total yards to Tampa Bay's 174 time of possession. 38-55 for the Eagles, 21-05 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield, he was back to being Baker. 15 for 25, 133. Tampa Bay rushed for 41 paltry yards. If you rush for 41 paltry yards, you're going to expect Baker Mayfield to beat you when you don't have a running game going. And this is the beauty of this whole thing, because the Eagles are in a situation where a really good quarterback is the only thing that's going to beat them. And they won't face that until you know a few games down the road and we'll go over that uh in, in a second so uh let's go over a little bit of the play-by-play here because it points out a couple of flaws that they're going to have to overcome and the one happened on the uh the first drive of the game um bucks uh, evans had a drop on on tampa bay's first drive they got the ball first so the eagles get the ball back swift's carry on the first play is for eight and then there's a cross to aj and all of a sudden, they're at the Tampa 39. And then the third play uh, is the A.J. for 16. So they're at the Tampa 23. Now, this is where they had some flaws in this game last night. They were only one of four cashing in in the red zone. And they only cashed in for three here. On a fourth and one, they call a very strange play. Um, well, it's not a very strange play when you think about the Eagles' offensive line. But in this particular situation, at fourth and one, with Tampa Bay all bunched up, they decide not to go for the field goal, which I would have gotten the points there, but I'm a conventional guy. I think in your first drive, if you get down there, the one thing you cannot risk is not scoring in that particular situation. So I would have kicked the field goal. He didn't because I know the analytics say, you know, you get fourth and one, you get for the touchdown. Fourth and one, they run Kenneth Gainwell up the middle. And uh, that's the one thing I, I, I do not understand. I don't understand that play call of running your small back uh, in, in the middle of that line on a fourth and one. Maybe you, you got to get a little trickery there. Uh, I don't know. All right, so now let's look at what spurs them on to put points on the board. Yes, there was a Britton Covey sighting. Britton Covey takes the punt, the return 52 yards to the Tampa 44. Uh, Swift just running hard. The offensive line is blowing massive holes, uh, but the drive fizzles again. Because Hertz was panicking a little bit on the early drives, and Elliott has to kick the 36-yard field goal. So they're up 3-0. Tampa Bay does come back to tie it. Uh, drive kept alive by Josh Job pass interference. Now, Job is playing corner because Bradbury is filling in the slot for Avante Maddox, who's out for the season. Now, I don't know where this is going to go from this point on. I don't really like it, to be honest with you. I like Bradbury as a corner. But it looks like that they trust him to play the slot because he's an experienced veteran guy. I just don't trust Josh Job out there right now. Uh, so Tampa Bay goes 13 plays 
69 yards. Um, they had four third downs uh, on that drive. Uh, and they, they tie it uh, three and three. And, and here's where Hertz makes the great play. Uh, stays in the pocket. It, it was about six seconds he was in there. He finally finds uh, Zacchaeus for the touchdown. And it's 10 to seven Eagles. And, um, and they go into halftime what, leading 13 to three. Uh, an interesting turn of events is Blankenship makes a, makes a great play. Read the play. That's my man Darren's guy. Uh, Blankenship back in the lineup from an injury. And uh, he makes the interception. First turnover of the season for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and, and you knew that was coming because they put a graphic up saying they hadn't turned the ball over yet. So uh, that leads to uh, Hurts gets intercepted. Uh, but then Cox sacks Mayfield. And then Jalen Carter, who uh, dude is playing ball. Uh, and he chased down that play, had a Mike Tyson punch to force that fumble from Rashad White. And the Eagles get on the board with another field goal, 13-3. to And uh, so, uh, you know, one thing I, I noticed is that uh, Todd Bowles, uh, who's a pretty good defensive coordinator, did not really follow the template that Belichick and um, um, uh, the Minnesota guy had done. Um, so uh, it was interesting that he was going to play his defense. Brian, yeah, Brian, Brian Flores. Flores. So, all right, so now we're, we're into the third quarter. And uh, Tampa Bay secondary is really playing soft. Two straight carries by Swift, and uh, that gets him a touchdown because Hurts with the pile driver TD, the unstoppable quarterback sneak. It's never going to be stopped until they change the rules in this league. Uh, and, I, and I'm watching the play, and I'm going, okay, they know exactly what they're going to do. Now, now think about this. This is why you can't stop it, and this is why probably they need to change this, and I know it benefits the Eagles. But you've got 600 pounds of push to convert that play. The defense doesn't have 600 pounds to counter it. So I'm thinking, why wouldn't the defense at that point take your chances with a, that they, they would take it around the outside if you do this? But why don't you stack three guys, three beef, and you, you match the 600 pounds they have leveling hurts in there with the defense 600 pounds to push against it? The irresistible force into me, the movable object type of situation. Let me bring Darren in on that play. Why wouldn't you defensively play it that way? Because you're missing a key aspect of the way the Eagles run that play. Here's what you're missing. Kelsey gets low, or whatever guard they decide gets low. It's Hertz's job to lay on top of them and surf through so he's never touching Dude, the ground. I, I, listen, That's I, what I'm you're not missing. missing. Anything. I see what I see. I know exactly the way they run it. What I'm saying is the count. He's what, never down. He's never me. on the ground. Excuse me. He's never touching the ground. What they what they can do to counter it is do the same thing the Eagles are doing to push it. It doesn't matter if he's on the ground or not. If he's in the air, you still got the weight pushing against the force that's pushing hurts. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if he's on the ground, whether he's surfing or not. You fight fire with fire. If they're going to use 600-plus pounds of leverage to push on you, how about you resist with 600-plus pounds? Give me an, give well, me an answer defense, to that, Mr. You Football. You're because then you can do what they tried to do. They really should not have done that last night. They should have saved that play for a bigger game where they look like they're going to go into that and he pulls okay, out well, of it that's, and runs that, around. Then that, you're completely selling out in the middle. Uh, that he would pull out. But but still, you, you, you still uh, you could have you a asked for it. I gave you. I am that would football. read that. And, and get, at this point, you can't stop it. 
What are, that's what I'm saying. So what are you worried about what they're going to do to counter? You have to counter what they're doing at this point. If they're going to push you with 600 pounds of leverage, you push back with 600 pounds of leverage. That's the only way you can stop it. And well, in that in that situation, you have to wait a point in the game because you're you're going to give up a yard. You're going to give up wait, seven. Wait, you're six assuming points. you're going to give up six points. You're not going to give up because if you're selling yeah, out with it. your safeties you and your linebackers all pushing, you are going to give up six and try to go around the outside on that. They still think they're going to convert that with their power. So until they do that kind of thing. Fight him with power. I don't understand why defenses don't do that at this point. All right. So anyway, the game's over effectively at that point, 20 to three. And then uh, Swift goes off again, uh, a bomb by Hertz. Another, it's a questionable throw, but Delaney made a really good play on that to intercept it. And he gets it at the one. And then you get a play by Morrow. But the only way, way Morrow makes that play is because Jalen Carter and the beef up front is is creating that kind of situation where the linebacker can slide in because the defensive tackles are occupying. And so he gets in there. You know, Morrow's not okay player. He's not, a, he's not Lawrence Taylor. He's not an instinctive player like that. So he gets in there and makes the play for safety 22 to three. They get another field goal, 25 to three. Uh, the game is over. So uh, let's look at a couple things here. Uh, one, one for four in the red zone is not good. Um, the first down drive, fourth down call wasn't good. Uh, other than that, everything was good. There was a, there was a Covey sighting. There was a Morrow sighting. Blankenship comes back. Bradbury in the slot, a little shaky. Uh, but Swift carrying the football 16 times was, was key because that's got to be his limit. You don't want to push him, and I hope they don't, now that he's the number one back. He's, he's a guy that's got to be your main guy now. But uh, there's a statistic about Swift and the amount of uh, carries he gets that when he get we had a stat last night on the post game show where if he carries 15 times in a game anything more than 15, the, his, his track record is he will miss several games with injury at that point. So uh, and it, if you can check check his record when, when he carries more than that. He'll, he may play the next game, but then he'll miss two after that. It's kind of a fascinating statistic. So they can't wear him down. I mean, that's the, the bottom line is they can't wear him down. 16 is about the max. So as I said before, it's going to take a really good quarterback to beat this team, the way they're, they're, they're fashioned on defense and the way they can control the ball on offense. So you, play, you need a quarterback to really make some plays against them. So let, let's, let's look forward to the schedule. Let's look ahead. And, and you tell me if there is any sign of slippage here, because I don't see it at all. You get these teams that are not as good as the Eagles, and in past years we had to worry about an upset. I don't think with this team, they're so buttoned down that you have to worry about that. So now you got the, the Washington Commanders. No. The Rams. No. Even though that game's out there. The Jets. Oh, please. At this point with the Jets, you know, we looked at that game early in the season. Oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers has a chance to beat him. They're not going to beat him now. Uh, and then they get to the big game. It'll be 6-0. A night game, primetime game against the Miami Dolphins. How you feeling about that now, Darren? Um, after they drop a 70-burger on Denver, uh, it is real skeptical to go into that game and feel, you know, it's tough to go into that game feeling confident, but... 
I will say this. Miami's defense is not that good, and Miami has not seen a defensive line like the Eagles. So I, I think that's going to be a fantastic game. But, yeah, that's going to be their first real challenge of the season. Washington again, and then you get that gauntlet of games. So we might not ever see their true potential until they get into that gauntlet of games with that schedule where it really picks up, where the Bills come in, there's the Cowboys, there's the 49ers. Uh, so uh, right now, they're on a lark. There, there's, In my view, there's no way they can't be 6-0 and through these first six. Uh, I thought that they had a chance to be 6-0. and I thought the Jets might be a trouble spot. It's no longer uh, a trouble spot. Uh, so uh, next week we have a 1 o'clock game. My God, a conventional 1 o'clock game for the Philadelphia Eagles? I don't believe it. But next week, Washington Commanders, 1 o'clock game. They stink. If, uh, if that quarterback beats the Eagles, that, that might be the biggest upset. If Sam Howe. Beats the Philadelphia Eagles, and I know nothing about football. <laughs> all right? All right, so all right, let's, let's move on to the Phillies. Because right now, they are in progress playing the Pirates. One win uh, clinches a playoff spot. That's not even in doubt at this point. Uh, and then you just worry about these, uh, these other chooches that are, that are trying to get the fifth seed. No matter who, it is, they're all scrambling around. None of them are good enough to beat the Phillies in the first round anyway, the way the Phillies are playing. Uh, whether it's the Diamondbacks or whether it's the Cubs who are starting to slip, whether Miami has anything left in the tank, it, it really doesn't matter in a three-game series here that those teams uh, can pitch well enough to beat the Phillies' offense the way that's rolling right now. But but here is the, the, the interesting part of the Phillies right now. And the interesting part is who will they start because they have four quality starters right now. The way Christopher Sanchez is pitched – and the way Suarez pitched in his last outing, they're good there. It, it doesn't really matter where they fit Lorenzen, if, if he even makes the roster. But the most interesting thing that happened this week is they bring up a kid who started out in single A this year, has risen all the way, quick stop in triple A, and boom, he's on the roster. His name is Orion Ker- Kirkering. And um, <laughs> I have to laugh because I love Philly fans. They always overreact. And Listen, I don't know if they're right to overreact or not. This kid looks like he's got really good stuff, and they're raving about this unhittable slider that he throws. He threw to three batters. All right? He had a successful inning. Are he great? He, okay, I get it. He throws hard. He's got a good slider. Uh, can we get to the point in our thought process where we go, this guy can really be a factor for us in the playoffs? I mean, the playoff heat is so intense. And, and certainly you're going to get a scouting report on this guy. And, and these are major league hitters and they adjust. I hope people are right that this guy's the real deal. But I am the last guy on earth who's going to see a pitcher against three batters and say, water problems are solved. Darren, how do you feel about that? I was more happy to see his dad in the stands crying the uh, whole time. Like the I thought that was a great story, scene. Right? Yeah, I'm the are, sap. You, are, you, you know me, sap. right? I'm the sap. Now, I just love seeing the dad, right? You know, that kid's probably he's watching his whole life growing up, seeing that and him coming to two strikeouts. It's a great scene. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, that kid has a, has a ridiculous a slider, sweeper, whatever they're calling it these days. Um, and it looks unhittable. But you said it. Three batters. He pitched an inning. inning. Let's pump inning. against a Mets team. I get it. You can't project that and say, okay. Against a Mets team that you could strike in, in a couple guys out. In the playoffs, when they're in game five with the Braves, 
uh, can you can't like I don't know I you know maybe maybe you can count on him in this first series and and if and the Phillies should win two games and maybe you get him an inning uh, in, in that in one of those games and then it, you know he builds on that but uh, you know listen yeah let me ask you this would you put him in or Sir Anthony right I, now I don't know what they're gonna do I I really don't I I you know they're, they're desperate <laughs> I mean, they're really it. desperate to think that this kid is going to help them, but they may have no other choice because you're right. Sir Anthony is really inconsistent at this point. He, he doesn't have swing and miss stuff right now. Uh, got Alvarado has yeah. looked okay since he's been back. I don't know about Soto. I mean, you know, and, and of course the closer, Kimbrough. I, I don't know, uh, but here's what I know. They don't have to worry in the first series. All right, when I get to the Brave series, I'll start to worry, and, and we'll, we'll know right away. Where the Phillies go toe to toe with the Braves in those first two games, they could beat them, and, and we'll see about that. Uh, okay, so um, Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, hockey is starting. You believe this? They had a rookie game that got smoked. Uh, well, they could beat six nothing. I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's really difficult for me to fly, follow the Flyers right now, and I hate myself for it. But I find myself having very little interest in following the Flyers. And, and I go, well, why, why would I have interest? What have they done to make me interested in the product right now? So, like, I, I, I see the stories. That, you know, the flyers. I still read the Inquirer Daily. I still see the Athletic. And they're covering the Flyers. The Athletic has a new beat writer, in fact, for the, for the Flyers. I just don't have any interest. And I wish people could try to convince me to have interest. I am begging you, Flyer fans, to try to convince me to have interest and in what I, I should be interested in at this point. And I would love for you to email me and tell me, even if you want to blast me for saying this right now, Mike at MikeMiss.com. And I'm going to read them on the air because I really feel bad about this. But frankly, the fact of the matter is I have very little interest in the Sixers right now. I've been beaten to death by the Sixers to the, to the fanfare network. Kelly Oubre is now like, oh, my God, like they signed Michael Jordan, for Christ's sake. And, I, you know, right now they're in limbo with me. So the winter sports are kicking my, me, my, me in the ass. That's why I rely on the Eagles and Phillies to carry me through this. All right. We'll be back on Thursday with another podcast as we look into the weekend of football with the Eagles finally playing a Sunday 1 o'clock game, my favorite time when they play 1 o'clock games. Uh, in any event, have a great couple of days here as we get through get through this rain. Hopefully, it clears up a little bit. I go outside and play golf without uh, having my foot sink in quicksand. Have a great night, everybody. And we'll check you back in uh, a couple of days on the Mike Missinelli Podcast. Thanks for listening and watching, and uh, have a great night. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.